0: what would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: Hello, and welcome to the podcast, the Nature and Countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. My name is Fergus Collins, and I'm the host of the podcast. So, we're now well into our season celebrating wildlife and wild places across Britain this spring. And we're keen to look at different landscapes each episode and what might be found there. In this episode, episode four, and incredibly our hundredth episode since we launched the podcast in 2019, we meet our old friend Kevin Parr in a strange forgotten habitat of coastal scrubland near Chesil Beach in Dorset. We sent Kevin out in late February to see the very first stirrings of spring and particularly we wanted him to find adders. Britain's only venomous snake. As well as being an angler, writer and naturalist, Kevin is something of a snake charmer. So listen on to find out how his day went. And later, I'm absolutely delighted to say that Kevin joins me and my podcast team of Hannah and Jack in our virtual studio to reflect on his adventure. And we chat about all sorts of other nature matters. It's really great fun, well worth listening on for. And please don't miss our podcast survey, You can find a link to it in the description to this episode. If you complete the survey, you'll be entered into a prize draw to win one of seven £100 Voucher Express gift cards. And you can find all the details and terms and conditions in that link in the description. For now, though, I leave you in the genial company of Kevin Parr, his adders and his lost world of wildlife.
0: What a morning! Stone chat getting rather excited. Beside the seaside, there's uh, Skylark's in good voice. Cold start. Thick. Frost at home and uh, a good touch of frost here too. I've come to the seaside not to look at the sea. I do like the sea, I don't have the same affinity as my wife Sue, who grew up by the sea. needs it Honest. she needs to just come and sit beside it and feel insignificant and overwhelmed by it she gets a real emotional boost so I'm trying to uh, vicariously feed her what I'm seeing this morning but when we come together um We'll walk down the slope, get to the bottom, see we are watch the waves. I'll go the other way because behind the beach is a rather special piece of habitat that I find absolutely absorbing. This is Chesil Beach Western end, the sun's rising over Portland. To the west, I can see Golden Cap looking rather splendid. Charmouth Lime Bay. The Chesil's a barrier beach built up with pebbles, about 18 miles long. And just along the back of those pebbles area of land that is effectively the links, and it's no good for agriculture. Nothing can really get a firm grip on it because it's battered by the wind and the salt from the waves. And it's dense scrub. Lots of blackthorn and hawthorn. Bramble. Nothing growing too high because the wind it pressed down, makes it really dense and in another month or even less than that it would just be alive with migrants, wheat ear and white throats and lesser white throats but I'm not really here for the birds today I'm here for something else Put the uh, record on again because I've got quite a shouty Chetty's warbler, oh, no doubt. Go silent now. Linnet singing. Chetty's is one of those birds that, forty years ago, was. Uh, Pretty unusual. They're a warbler that doesn't migrate, so uh, it's benefited from climate change. (laughs) Couple of linnets just nearby. Isn't that lovely? Of course the Chetis will just shut up now. But they spread further and further north and there's something you expect to hear certainly in spots like this. Although this one has gone rather quiet. Partly chose this morning to come here because of a light northerly wind which um, I knew would bring the temperature down. There you go, <laughs> hopefully you heard that chetty's then. Turn my back on it, I can see it it's just really shouts it out loud. If you're standing next to one and you, you don't often see them, they're quite skulking. But if you're standing next to one, it can make you jump. There it goes. You can probably hear that stain chat just uh, chatting on top of the hawthorn on my left. And the skylark overhead, so I can see quite well. Shame about the traffic, and that's um going back to the breeze. The wind's just carrying a little bit of noise from the road, but in turn, the sea, which you might just hear rumbling in the background. The sea should be quite quiet today. Northerly wind normally leaves the south coast fairly flat. As it is, you can hear the slow rumble in the background of the pebbles being dragged back. But when it's blowing a bit, especially from southwest, and it throws some big waves, and it can be almost deafening, it's far too loud to try and record. Again, I said I wasn't coming here to look for birds, but they're an easy distraction. A very pleasant one. Of course, you never really come solely for one specific thing. But much as um, many people could tell you the date of their earliest ever swallow or or their first cuckoo I uh, can tell you the date of my earliest adder and latest and since moving to Dorset nearly 10 years ago listen to those strange chats. being closer to reptiles all six species of native British Reptiles. I've particularly enjoyed getting to know adders. a whole lot better. I think they're much maligned. Well, overlooked is probably more realistic. I know when I recently recorded a perch fishing trip Hannah Beckett, Plodcast HQ mentioned that she's not really inspired by cold-blooded creatures fish obviously being the topic of that conversation reptiles too are cold-blooded and probably Okay, so Chetty's again. Probably not inspiring Hannah, so I want to try and convey my first sighting of this year. And it's a lot later than I'd normally hope to see one, and we're almost at the end of February. I say a lot later, a fortnight later. I like to try and see one by mid-February. My earliest ever is the 28th of January, latest being the 12th of December. And although they hibernate, <laughs> it's not often you get to see a chetis as well as I, as well as I'm seeing this one. Oh yeah, although it's cold and the temperature was minus one first thing. And it was only probably just nudging up, but freezing. I did know that there would be no clouds in the sky today, and this is probably the best time of year to see adders because they're slow. Without cloud, the sun will hopefully stir the adders quite quickly, and even though. Uh, Yeah, temperature won't be very warm. I can fit with the warmth of the sun. Something that's cold blooded will surely respond. Oh, always good to have a lean on a gate. It's one of life's cheapest pleasures. I'm on the links now. This is part of the Southwest Coast Path. This next little stretch is somewhere I'm hoping I should see an adder. I've seen them here before. It's good habitat in that it's south facing so gets lots of sun. It's, it's only a thin strip of, of hedge almost but it's, um, it's really dense and these are spots where the adders will have hibernated. And early in the year they'll come out, get a bit of sunshine, warm the blood but not go venturing much further than a foot or two away from the sanctuary that they've just spent the coldest months. They'll wait until they're stirred by uh, hormones (laughs) driven to go and breed before they actually do that and then they'll eat and they'll sloth. For now though, if you see an adder at this time of year, it's gonna be there for a good month at least. But also if you see an adder at this time of year, they're worth appreciating from a distance and leaving bee as you can, try not to disturb them. They'll be icy cold, so there's a reed down the reed bed so they'll be pretty sluggish lethargic, they don't want to waste energy having to flee a nosy person that's quite a obliging chetties I'm going to start to creep along and look for likely spots and they can vary each year just subtle little changes but it's a good time to start to think cold-blooded imagine you're driven by a need to warm your blood temperature that comes before anything else so you want to find a spot that's dry and adders need well-drained soil or at least areas where they can remain dry out of the wind, tucked up and with a really good vista southern facing vista where they can soak up the sun and get, get most of the sun all day if you start to look for those spots they're not going to be in the shade on a day like this they're only going to be in the sun They're only going to be a tail flick away from sanctuary so they can just slip back in. So I'm looking for a a spot that in my mind if I was an adder I could zip back into my root mass where I'm nice and safe but in this early morning sunshine I can Get my blood temperature going. Not sure if you can hear the crows in the background. They've gone a bit quieter now. There's suddenly a kerfuffle with the crows and the gulls. It sounded as though they were upset with something. Sure enough, there was a peregrine. Crows have pursued it westward. A rather nice sight and making up for the lack of snakes because um, well I've, <laughs> I've walked past all my hotspots and found nothing. One of the big concerns about adders that they're disappearing from large areas of Britain and they're not going to come back. The prime reason is habitat loss. Scrub is um, so often tidied or removed to create a different kind of habitat or to cultivate or plant trees and the adders are they're not pioneers they don't travel great distances they're not going to go and find new spots and i think in 10 or 20 years we're going to face the reality of them disappearing quite rapidly i think as populations become isolated and they become more and more inbred and there's no genetic splicing going on they're just gonna dwindle these little uh, islands where they've been for forever I think they'll just disappear and it'll be not too late but it will be late in the day to return them and they're such a beautiful animal my parents moved house about five or six years ago and had all of our old school books and things in the loft, most of which was cleared and we, we went and each of us kids went and had a look through and kept anything we'd like and I found a school book from when I was six. On the first page is a picture of a tree with a, clearly an adder and a little mouse and it just says here is an adder it is after a dormouse. two o's in door of course and then later on i found another bit no, that's probably ten and a picture of badgers and <laughs> one of the badgers busy eating an adder so my interest was cemented when I was young and they weren't something that I would have encountered I think my interest was driven mainly out of fear to learning all of the different species of animal that you might happen upon learning that there was uh, a species of snake that was venomous that could do you harm I think I probably felt that if I liked the adders they might like me Has often been my philosophy in all shades of life quite how they'd know I'd written about them in a school but I'm not sure better to be generous than um, than risk the wrath I remember my first one was a very brief sighting uh, down in Perbeck, where my dad grew up, um, and where adders are doing quite well still, certainly where well when dad was a kid, all I really saw was a tail disappearing into the undergrowth, but it made it real, it made uh, this myth, this idea of a, a snake, an adder, a viper, gave it substance. And then a few years later, probably when I was about ten or eleven, we were holidaying on Dartmoor, and my brother and I were running down this um, path between the gorse, not really caring too much at that time. And I, my foot was coming down to the ground, and I looked down, and everything went into slow motion. And there, on the path, directly beneath where my foot was going to land was an adder and somehow I contorted my body stretched my leg as it dropped and reached out and missed it obviously and then was just adrenalised. I sort of felt like I'd had this close shave with death and ever since when I've been to places where adders might be. I've spent a lot of time looking and then moving to a place where adders are very local has just been joyous. I've got to know individual snakes where they tend to hang out. The snakes that that have come at the um, extremes of the year were both in this other spot, Local Common. A snake I saw uh, in mid-December called her Aggie. She was in the same spot right through the autumn into the early winter. and She was incredibly tolerant. I could sit down beside her. She'd taste the air which is what adders do. They're flicking that tongue. Many people find the tongue particularly unpleasant but um, it's their main sense. They, they're tasting chemicals. And I think they're tasting adrenaline. But she would taste the air and then seemingly recognise me and then just relax. And I could, I sat right next to her, I could stroke her. She never, never fled. Whereas other snakes will dash off in a blink. I do feel adders, they're used to a lot of. Um, Interruption from deer or cattle or sheep where they're found alongside them, and that they'll stay put whenever they can, they're not going to move if they don't have to. If you just stay relaxed, don't breathe through your mouth, nice slow breaths through your nose, I think they'll sense a lack of an adrenaline, a lack of energy that would come from a predator. They might just find this benign presence and think yeah okay I'll I'll, uh, I'll sit it out. Probably can't see me, probably isn't interested. That's my theory anyway. I've reached another gate on which I'm leaning. I can see a little strip of gorse in the next field and if there isn't an adder there into eating hat territory. I'll go and have a look. Oh, I was getting slightly concerned that that hat comment might come back and haunt me. I've made three quarters of this little strip, which is about a hundred and 50 yards maybe and and seeing nothing and I just thought oh god but it looks so perfect I just disturbed a couple of snipe boggy ground to my left and now I've looked back right and I've got the first adder of my ear I can't get very close without disturbing it so I'm not gonna try Say it's a male. I can't see it all. I can just see that lovely little zigzag and about sort of three inches, maybe, of its body tucked up into some dead gorse. It's tricky as well because my shadow is uh, falling exactly where I don't want it. But it's an adder. Yeah, that's made me very happy. First of the year, yeah. No need to eat hats. Thank you to the snipe for just taking me a couple of steps away from the gorse. And now I'll try and uh, find another and get a better view and describe it a a bit more fully. That one I just don't want to, I can't get close without moving, without it moving I don't think. I'll leave it be. I've gone for a change of tactic because my shadow's quite long. I'm falling so <laughs> perfectly in the wrong place, so I'm walking further away and using my binoculars, which is a very good way of looking, as I've just discovered. I've there's a spot here, we've got a line of gorse. And it's just sort of a little cut into it almost. Maybe it's once a fox run or something. There's two adders coiled up together. At the back of it, I'd say they're, they're both males. Males normally come out earlier than the females. That's, um, that are bigger. They so need a bit longer to warm up, but it's cooling well. Generally, the females will have the zigzag will be slightly less dark, and the background colours are more brown. A male will have a darker zigzag, quite a silvery body behind. But there's a lot of variations. You'll get very dark adders, melanistic, which I don't see. I've only seen one along the coast. Actually, I've seen more elsewhere. They look incredible, glossy when the sun's on them you'll get this sort of blue sheen coming back. It's incredible. But if I could pick a spot, the the first adder was in a a spot I wouldn't have expected, but if I could draw a spot of where an adder would be at this time of year, it would be here. And it's so good, there's two. they're not big, Um, typical sort of male size maybe smaller one I guess it's hard to tell because they're coiled up together I guess it's sort of 18 inches maybe the other one looks a bit bigger 20 inches long which is a fairly typical size eh? they're not big snakes female might reach 30 inches talking inches, I should be talking centimetres, I think 80, is that 80 centimetres? Maybe. That's as about as big as they'll get. They have been recorded larger, and they'll grow bigger elsewhere. I think in Scandinavia they'll have been recorded considerably longer. I wonder if that's because they can hibernate more consistently when the extremes of weather are more consistent perhaps that aids a metabolism, lets them live a bit longer get bigger. This one now, well these two I'm going to try and get a photo off so I'm going to switch this off. If I could share the sunshine with you too, I think you'd probably not believe how perfect it really is here. Skylark singing, dunnock going well, linnets and stone chats as a water row just now from the reaper jetties (laughs) and the sea. And curiously, I've walked back and checked all my normal hotspots and seen no more adders. As I approached those two, they'd actually separated. And the smaller one was posing absolutely beautifully. Just focused in on the eye, amazing red eye. Eye of Sarum. It looks quite sinister and yet it also looks really vulnerable and I think I'm probably reading that emotion because I fear for the adders and it was watching me, knew I was there but sometimes you can tell the way it's positioned, it's going to trust to camouflage and uh, not move unless it absolutely has to. And I could cre- creep in, get a couple of photographs, and uh, edge back out without disturbing it. It stayed put, and that's always so satisfying. I have to channel my, um, my inner bovine Imagine I'm a cow coming in just I don't care about adders, I just want to chew a bit of this nice grass here. So all of my demeanour, all of my chemicals are passive. I'm just on the way back to the car, which and I'm a bit worried because I've (laughs) missed the time. I've been here longer than I should and the ticket probably it's long expired. It's one more spot I'll check but um, it's sort of, it's been a stunning morning and disappointing to have not seen anything in my usual spots but fantastic to find three snakes in a different spot and just glorious to hear the skylark singing beside the sea.
1: So that was the fantastic Kevin Parr taking us on a lovely trip to the Dorset Coast to meet some adders. However, what a joy it is, and for a first time ever on the podcast Postbag, we've actually got Kev in our studio with our regulars Hannah and Jack. Kevin, welcome. How nice to see you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. And right. nice to meet you all. And well, really quaint, of course.
1: Yes yes well you know we've we have met in the flesh but it does seem a long time ago and I think it might have been on the River Wye. It was it was in a pub I think. What a tremendous pub it was. <laughs>
0: it was and it was a different time of year it was in fact it was almost it would have been October and, and it was a very different time and it was quite a bit wild and windy and,
1: it was one of those pubs where you're very glad to get inside it, and then it feels very solid against the sort of dark and stormy night. And you guys, you and Chris Yates, the fishing fisherman and writer, you were off catching some wonders on barbel and chub with a with a target. But um... I'm really glad I found some sort of fish with. And Hannah's looking blank. <laughs> yeah. <Just the> fish. <laughs> fish again. Don't mention the chub as well. They, they they've got a bad rap around here. Not going the to chub. Chub. Yeah. yeah. so that's that's another tale that the, the chub is now swimming free in uh, in the river usk he's probably been munched by a heron or something like that that's yeah a, the, the story like but kevin it's great to have you along um we have lots of it's really i would love to see an adder but you seem to have plenty of reptiles around in dorset you're all you're always tweeting about grass snakes in your compost heap um how, how do you find these reptiles what's what's going on i i think like a reptile <laughs> but rather like, i think that comes a bit from
0: fishing as well where um i it's good to think like a fish in order to catch a fish and by doing that you're forgetting that you're you've got to forget you're warm-blooded and think like a, something that's cold-blooded that's more reactive to its environment we are you can't necessarily choose where it wants to go it's dictated by temperature and and uh, conditions and and then your whole metabolism your whole behavior is dictated by your body temperature rather than you know what might actually be happening around you i mean we're very lucky here i've got grass snakes coming out of my ears almost um <laughs> I've had them in the garden on my. I, I can confirm this. I can confirm this. <laughs> looking,
1: looking at you on, on, on through the power of Zoom, they're literally <laughs> untangling themselves. I could, I could go and fetch one now very easily um, and bring it to show you, but I won't. But, um, but yeah, we
0: so grass snakes. i are very lucky with, and um, we're in a good part of the country for adders and for all six native reptiles. Which obviously um, I live down in Dorset, so the Dorset heaths are the best place for smooth snakes certainly in sand lizards, um where they're quite common it's very odd when you go to certain spots and um and yeah suddenly realize that these incredible rarities which are so uh so, so local in their distribution and just a handful of sites but where they are they're incredibly common it's very weird
1: but back but back, back to adders briefly have we missed adders for this year
0: it's still a good time um they're just starting to move now i think um I had a walk this week and i found a couple of skins um on the local common
1: so they've see i find i find skins on the local common, but that's a totally different thing <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, we have you know a, a different class
1: of inhabitant on our commons here. So you found the the, the, the shedded skins. Yeah, you find the shedded
0: skins and when and and then as a, it will spend the winter in hibernacular, so underground, you know, in a root mass somewhere, and um, and they'll pop out time to time when the sun's shining, um, and they'll just bask, but they'll always stay within, you know, prox- close proximity to where they've spent the winter, um, and then for the first sort of part of the year, you know, certainly from late January. Um, or even earlier, that they'll start emerging, especially the males. But they'll stay put. They'll just be sort of warming up and then going back in at night, especially the weather recently, which has been so cold at night, they're not going to actually go out and hunt because it's been well, – I've had frost after frost. But but then they will generally go out, mate, and then after they've mated, they'll shed their skins and then eat. Um, so the shedded <laughs> skin is a sign that they're actually moving. They're, they're leaving – the spot where they've spent the winter and they're they've they're on the move and yeah they, they'll shed again at least once more before the year's out
1: and is that because they're growing or they just wear exactly out?
0: yeah yeah they, they're growing and and the skin And it's amazing the whole thing comes off and, and you can find skins in fact i should have grabbed on because i found there was a grass snake skin a perfect one i found earlier just um by the compost heap Oh. but um yeah and it all comes off in one go and if you get a really neat one it looks fantastic because even the eyelids because they snakes don't have eyelids you can tell when a snake's about to slough because they go a bit. you can see the sort of you know it's almost lifting like it it's looking oh. dry and they're really blind then you can you know sneak, sneak up and them, them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely
1: oh. you can pull faces and all sorts <laughs> they just don't know they just don't. <laughs> i i took my son adder hunting on uh, the weekend we didn't in a in a good local spot in the brecon beacons i must confess i've never seen an adder in the brecon beacons though i'm told they're here in good numbers we didn't find any but he was quite nervous about being bitten i mean for the purposes of reassuring people very few people get bitten by adders
0: they do and um and adders are so shy naturally um they will disappear at the first opportunity um and if you're quiet they will stay quiet. They, the last thing they want to do is bite bite you because that's their last line of defence. But also, they don't want to waste venom because um, if they, you know, if they lose waste all their venom in in something that they're not going to eat, then they've got nothing to to catch actual prey with. So it's the the likelihood is it, and it probably is at this time of year as well when they're a bit dozy and a bit slow because the the blood's cold. They're not too quick to move, and they might. Someone might tread on one, or um, or more often, a much more common is dogs.
1: Oh right, okay, yeah. And investigate
0: do, do... everything with their nose, so Ooh. um, they'll pop a nose in and sniff an adder, and it'll panic and, and give you them a glancing blow. And do but dogs, so it dogs. does happen, yeah. People and, and the people are bitten every year. I've know I know a few people who have been bitten, and it's pretty unpleasant. But um, the, the key is not to panic if you are. Because if you start but easy to say. But but if you start, um I I knew one chap who who got bitten and and um he suddenly thought, Oh, I need to I need to right, what do I need to do? Oh, I better go to hospital. So he ran um (laughs) back to his car and I said, How far? It's about a mile. Because by the time he got to his car he'd been running and he got his adrenaline going and the venom had gone all around his body and he got back to his car and just sort of (laughs) fell over. But he would have been okay. I mean, he, he didn't need anti venom or anything, got to hospital, but but yeah, if you should get bit bitten and then uh I think probably phone one 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 rather than nine 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 or or rush yeah. off into hospital because it could be that you just need to take it gently and, and as long as someone's watching over you, um but otherwise tripped in A and E and there is anti venom. But it is suggested as well that more people historically have died from the anti-venom, or certainly since anti venom was was invented than, than possibly the actual venom itself. So
1: Oh, really, I think so the, the, the mid seventies a... was the last fatality, so it's a very rare occurrence. Okay, so we really shouldn't get hit up about adders. As, as, no, um... and
0: and the saddest, I mean, the saddest of all is that there's so few adders, and they're they're disappearing rapidly, and um, so that's another reason why it's very unlikely, mm. which is sad in itself.
1: Well, it's really desperate, desperate to see these sort of declines everywhere. Hannah, are you con- you convinced by about cold blood, blooded creatures? yes I didn't want to be I was like oh he's trying to convince me to like them and I'm not going to um but I think it was when you started talking about your looking at your old school books and looking at the drawings that you've done and then I remembered that feeling that you have when you're a kid where you're kind of um obsessed by the macabre it's like oh this slightly like dangerous thing is the interesting thing and I was like oh yeah actually these are quite sexy creatures
0: they are they are i mean they are stunning and when you get close up and you see the eye and um
1: which is just amazing and it is i've mentioned in. other oh, go. i've got, I'm showing showing you from a photo i took of the only uh, of only the second adder i ever saw and that's from 2008 and i haven't updated my adder quota since then but yeah the red eye is very visible
0: the family pictures of uh, snakes you've got there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, what else have you got <laughs> <laughs>
1: The the rest rest I can't even show on audio. Just (laughs) take (laughs) it
0: Beautiful animals. Surprisingly small. I think a lot of people, when they do see an adder, they are surprised at how little they are. Um, A sort of, you know, two foot, or sorry, 60 centimetre snake is typical. You know, that's a decent-sized male, and a, a female might grow to, yeah, 80 centimetres. But they're not big at all. So that often takes people by surprise.
1: Really tiddly, yeah, yeah, that's very small, I mean it is sad about the decline of them, really tragic why why are they i mean why i am mean, just on the- the last bit on adders, but why are they in such terrible habitat loss
0: is the big thing they you know they love scrub, I think
1: that traditionally they're sort
0: of woodland species, but um certainly woodland edges and just areas of we've got some decent understory and lots of cover, just scrub and and gorse and um in lots of places they can just hide out and uh, whereas that's that's disappeared but more importantly those little pockets have been isolated and then the adders have hung on because an adder will live to twenty um and so people are still seeing the snakes there whereas they're not actually breeding um because the ones that are left have got you know the genetic line has become well <laughs> too linear so they're not able to breed um. And then they're just marooned, these little pockets, and then they're disappearing. And I think certainly in some of the Midlands counties, they're now, I think, three or four counties, they've sort of officially extinct. Um, but I think in yeah, 10, 15, 20 years, they're just going to, we're going to see, they're just we're gone from vast swathes of yeah. lowland Britain. But they're also in decline in other places, it's sort of um, other areas where, um, you know, where they're not so impacted by habitat loss. So they're probably impacted by climate change because they're a bit like hedgehogs, which hibernating but can't hibernate because the winters are that much milder. Um, and uh, if you wake up in the winter and you're dozy, you're easy pickings for for various predators. Um,
1: yeah, it's a slippery slope, unfortunately. Uh, is the public to Inured to sort of snakes and cold-blooded things. I think that's that's a problem,
0: and I think there is efforts being made, and certainly the um, the Amphibian and Reptile Conservation Trust are doing what they can. But um, funding's limited, and um, and yeah, public interest. It's not quite. They're not that cuddly, which is
1: <laughs> no. It's not like beavers or storks or some of these big uh, white-tailed eagles that get all this press and yeah reintroductions reintroductions of adders. Yeah.
0: They seem to have that sort of villain status that I guess sharks suffer with a bit. That everyone sees them as these big baddies, and in films they're always this terrifying thing. And I guess that just doesn't help them at all because no people don't like them <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And snakes traditionally, I mean, they are or well, vermin. I think the term vermin comes from worm, doesn't it? Is it oh. Latin or, or French? Yeah, but so so, yeah. so, um people always saw snakes as as vermin and were killed. I mean. And I think and that's still happening. I read one in Gloucestershire, one of a very thinning colony was found. It'd obviously been, you know, bludgeoned to death, um, about a week ago, which is really sad. So people are still doing that, and historically that's happened. Um, and it's very difficult to shake that sort of stigma.
1: So we're really appealing through this podcast for people to love adders a little bit more and and sort of try and they're part of the bigger picture. They're beautiful and really important to preserve them as well as the big, obviously charismatic creatures. But yeah, let- and we only have six six native species of oh, yeah. reptiles. So let's yeah, <laughs> we're not exactly we're not exactly bulging at the seams with reptiles. It's um, what else are you looking forward to um, catching up with this year, Kevin? I am this well immediately. I'm looking forward to seeing a hobby,
0: um, which we. We get over the garden quite a bit, which is quite exciting. But they're fantastic birds. Um, I've just—I went for a walk just before um, we did this call, actually, and was a bit disappointed with the amount of birds that are out there. There's not, doesn't seem to be really building up any momentum. So I'm looking forward to a sort of bigger influx of of um, migrants and um, which should come. Do you and think then, it's the yeah.
1: temperature? Is that why they're not? I coming? think
0: so, yeah. I think and just that steady northerly wind is just pushing them back. I think because a couple of years ago there was um, a situation where we had similar weather patterns and then and a lot of swallows had come across. And I and I kept seeing people up sort of further north complaining, where's the swallows? You know, right into May. And they we had swallows all over the place. I mean uh, <laughs> it was amazing. Um, but yeah, I think so. I think they're just held back by the wind and and the cold. Yeah, the cold nights, which isn't good, keeps the insect life down.
1: We should also mention that you're a keen keen angler and and your your fishing, your recent perch cast <laughs> um was is now our most listened to podcast, this being our hundredth podcast that we've published. Well, that's pretty impressive. So there's a there's there's a market, there's a market for softly spoken uh, but high 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 tension. Will he, won't he catch a perchy? podcast thank you for that kevin and also have you got some fishing adventures planned because got- well i do, i traditionally there's a close season on um course fishing there's nice. a, from mid-march to mid-june oh we're in the fallow period okay we
0: are and even though you i it's it was a long ago lifted 20 years ago it's lifted on still waters but i still i still um, hang the rods up um for three months and and i often mean to go fly fishing but i'm a terrible fly fisher um that i just can't cast and i'm self-taught and it's one of those things i'm someone who if something's difficult um just don't do it you know but also because spring is just so full of other things like reptiles and butterflies i've been getting more and more into butterflies and uh and yeah so i i'm quite happy in fact i quite look forward to the end of the season the fishing season even though it's my favorite time the last couple of weeks but partly why it's so exciting is because the season's changing so rapidly at the start of March, so it, it the end of the season comes, and I'm I breathe a sigh of relief and go off and you know, leave all the rods and and you know stinky trousers and things. And, um, <laughs> and my wife will talk to me again as well. Then I'm allowed in the same room, <laughs> but then, then, yeah, go off into the undergrowth and look for other things, and which is um. Which is what I do. And then, yeah, look forward to June and that'll start again and in a completely different world, which is another reason I like the break, because you leave it and it's there's signs of spring coming, but it's um it's very much the end of winter. And then by the time you go back
1: in mid-June, um, it's completely transformed, which is always lovely. Lovely. You build a good picture. I, I, on that note, I would say follow Kevin on Twitter because... You're always finding things and discovering things and noticing things that many of us don't spot. And it's a real delight. But we're going to get one more job out of you before we let you you go back to hunting uh, adders, newts, whatever it is that's brimstone, brimstone's perch. Um, And that is to reveal our sound of the week.
0: Okay, well, yeah, this is from, well, across the across the pond again, as they say. Hello, Fergus, Hannah and Jack. Just wanted to say firstly how much I enjoy your podcast. Your recent narratives have made a wonderful escape from the already hotter days here in Atlanta. I live beside a brook and wanted to share the dawn chorus that I wake to. An ornithologist I am not, (laughs) and I have no real clue as to which birds I listen to, but wanted to forward this recording in the hope that others could enjoy it too. best regards, Neil. I mean, it would be very interesting to hear the difference because I'm quite... I quite like the idea that um, I know the dawn chorus here fairly well and can pick out the individual sounds and identify them, so an American dawn chorus could be very different.
1: was a lovely sound of the week all the way from Atlanta and thank you Neil for that and thank you also to Kevin for joining us this week and giving us his expertise and giving us a taste of naturalist life in Dorset which was wonderful and to Hannah and Jack without whom this podcast wouldn't exist please do leave feedback and ratings on whichever pod provider you use it helps us enormously but for now goodbye and we'll be back next week